Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you not entertained? Welcome to History and Technicolor with me, Wolf O'Neill. And me, David Crowther. Uh, welcome, David. Thank you for inviting me, Wolf. We are here today to talk about Ridley Scott's Gladiator. Is that Skidley Rod? Mm-hmm. A movie so famous that it made it into our opening music. True! That famous. Yes. Don't get much more famous than that, do you? Uh, no. This, is that the pinnacle of fame? Mm. I think that the thing, though, old Skidley mentions it when he goes to Oscar ceremonies, you know. He's like, I Dave finally Royfield made it. And... Yeah, I've minorly faded. So, I'll tell you a little bit about the film. It was made in the year 2000, way, way back. It's... Hang on a second, can I just stop you there? Because you haven't answered the question. Why have you chosen this movie? Okay, well I picked it because it's a classic. I guess a modern classic. We've just returned from Italy, and I've been reading I, Claudius, finally. Ah, you've been reading I, Claudius? Yes. The greatest historical novel ever written, Wolf. You have it on good authority. Which, which is why I'm reading it. Excellent. And I hadn't seen it in a really long time, and I thought it'd be good to kind of see how it holds up. So I just, yeah, had a little bit of a feel for the Romans. I'm learning a little bit more. Are you watching it or reading it? Reading it. Ah, excellent. So I thought, even though it's not at the same time, uh, it can also play into that Italy stuff. Indeed. Although, it's got to be said, Gladiator doesn't meet an Italian motorway tool booth, does he? No. And therefore, his sacrifice will never be quite as... As large as yours. Nor does he go two hours in the wrong direction to Bologna rather than Perugia. And they also don't have any Aperol spritzes by the pool. That is a good point, actually. Actually, No Aperol spritzes. Maybe that's the one thing that was missing from the Colosseum. Yes! God damn, Aperol spritzes. They're chucking all these loaves of bread into the crowd, but really the crowd is like, get us that Aperol Aperol spritz. Aperol spritzes! Get us the spritzes! Yeah, true. 
Anyway. Yeah, I think I fixed it. Maybe Rome wouldn't have collapsed. Yes. Okay, the plot. It's set in the year 180. The emperor, Marcus Aurelius, is on his deathbed, and he plans to name one of his most successful and popular generals, Maximus, as his successor, over his failure of a son, Commodus. Da, da, da. Well, Commodus doesn't take too kindly to this and murders his father, proclaims himself... Which you can understand. I mean, that's a murderable offence, isn't it? He proclaims himself the emperor um, due to his lineage and then orders Maximus and his family executed. Well, Maximus, being the exceptional general that he is, survives the assassination, or just, I guess, murder attempt, and he rushes home to try and get to his family, but they have also been murdered. Well, in his grief, he's taken captive as a slave. (laughs) It's a slightly uh, convoluted movie. Uh, And then once he's captured as a slave, he's forced to fight as a gladiator, and then he realises that if he fights really well, he can get all the way to Rome, fight in the Colosseum, and can get his chance to come up against Commodus once more and kill him. Then he plans his revenge. It's a it's a plan, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, as plans go, uh, it's not bad, is it? Can I ask you a question first mm-hmm. before you ask me questions? Yes. Uh, there are two things. Firstly, uh, were you surprised by the ratings? On Rotten Tomatoes? Um, I didn't look, so I'm going to say... Guess what they are. Well, on Letterboxd, it's rated 4 out of 5, so that's like 80%. Um, Right. I would assume that it has a very high rating. Um, Well, it's the critics are 78%, mm -hmm. and the audience is 87%. Which I always think is quite interesting, that difference on Rotten Tomatoes between critics and audience. Um, Which I thought, for the critics, was low. I'd have thought both of them would have been in the 90s. Because this is surely the iconic history movie of all time, isn't it not? Or is that exaggerating? I think that... Well, I guess we'll go through it today. I think that uh, it is slightly lower than I would have guessed. But I also think that over time, it's just going down. Like a little bit. Mm. Not that it has like aged and is completely outdated, but my memory, again, I was a child, but in 2000, I just thought this film kind of came out of nowhere and was doing some pretty good like um, visual effects and recreation. And it was so high budget. And I, and I just got this impression that it was like, wow, this is Rome. My gosh, this is what Roman yeah. life was like. And it won all these awards. Uh, I actually didn't check what it won, but I'm pretty sure that it won a few Oscars um, or was nominated. And it was just like the event film of the year. Yeah, and I, and I, I suppose it's got it's less fresh now, I suppose. Yeah, and I just wonder if also we've uh, Romans have started to be quite popular in like television as well. They did like Spartacus and all that kind of stuff. And I just think that maybe uh, with the technological advancements and just like the passing of time, it has become a little bit cheesy, um, yeah. which... At the time, it, it really didn't seem like it was. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I thought I should mention, mm-hmm. just to put the pressure on you, is we've got a major challenge, Wolf. You know, how do we say anything new about such a famous movie? Um, mm. I have to say, I have some fundamental revelations to make, I can tell you, at some point when you oh choose to let me okay. rabbit on even more. Uh, and Barley, it has to be said, figures quite highly in those condemnatory statements. But I'll now let you continue and stop interrupting. Okay. 
Uh, right. What, well, I'm, I'm going to start by asking you a question. What was your memory of the film okay. um, prior to rewatching it now? And has it changed uh, after you watched it? That's a good question. My memory of the movie before rewatching it was a German bloke shouting in German with a head in his hands. Mm-hmm. And Barley. Who is Barley? Barley is a thing. Okay, like the cotton. Correct. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, and if what him were just rubbing his hands through the barley, that's all you can remember. Pretty much. Okay. Um, and probably, uh, are you not entertained? Did you think it was a good movie from your memory? Yes. Uh, as I say, I think it was the history movie. Okay. Interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? Do you still think that it is the history movie? No, that's Master and Commander now. Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to ask, what did you what did you think of the film? Did you enjoy watching it? Right. I was being a bit laconic, wasn't I? Um, I enjoyed it. I must admit, I approached it. I've seen it so many times that I approached it with some fear, actually, and trepidation, Wolf, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, I've seen this before too many times. You know, maybe I'm going to hate it. But I got myself a tub of uh, ice cream, and that helped. Um, and actually, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I do think the edge has come off it. Uh, there are a couple of things I looked at this time that I thought, actually, that's not great. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I'm going to major on those because yes. in the interest of trying to say something new. Sorry about that. But basically, it's a fantastic movie. Still loved it. Yeah. What about you? I think we're going to kind of agree. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through what I liked, and then we can discuss what we didn't like. Okay, good. It's a rip-roaring adventure in a very classic sense. It rips and rolls. It's a ripping yarn. For such a long movie, it's not overly complex. Uh, it's a. It has a classic hero, a classic villain, uh, great locations, insurmountable odds, um, no subtlety. It goes for glory in all aspects, which is quite fun. Um, the story is easy to follow because it's kind of generic. There's a lot of random talk about political stuff going on, but they really don't want to actually worry about the Senate and different factions and who we need to be pleasing. If you understand some of it, fine, but it doesn't really care about like the socioeconomic history or any of the political side of things. And just just concentrated on good versus evil. Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. This is what we have. Which is the good one? Uh, Maximus. I mean, no, surely Luke Skywalker is the bad, the bad guy. Mm. You know, well, Darth and I, we're very close. Of course, to the Empire, Luke is the yes. rebels are bad. Yes. I mean, they're clearly usurping the rightfully legally constituted authority. Well, Com- just saying. Commodus is just hosting a bunch of fun games uh, for the people yes. to enjoy. and Giving the people what they want. He's like, here, let's have a big cricket match. And then the bowler's yeah. like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, yeah, what? The- Quite. And the public wants what the public gets in the words of the great Paul Weller. Yeah, and he gave them all these games, and then the public turned on him. Yeah, it's an outrage. Poor bloke. Poor bloke. Um, I thought that it was... uh, I was getting a little bit of Shakespeare. It's the familial drama, like the sequence where he... Marcus tells him that he's not going to give him the throne, and then he he kills Marcus, but he suffocates him by holding him to this deep embrace, hugging him so tight, this, like, craving this attention from his dad... Um, this movie has a lot of daddy issues. Um, it does pulling his dad in until he suffocates to death. I mean, to me, that is that is Shakespearean, right? 
up close and personal. There's guilt, there's revenge, there's incestuous, tragic love affairs. Um, there's lots of hiding behind curtains, lots of whispering, plotting. Um, Always important. You get a lot of that in I, Claudius, as well. Yeah. And the point, it's all fun. Like, that kind of stuff is fun. I think the score is excellent. Um, I will admit it's a bit Pirates of the Caribbean-y at times, but that's not really the fault of this movie because it came first. So it creates atmosphere and tension, uh-huh. and it feels epic. Uh, the acting is decent, I will say. Like, right. I think I think Joaquin Phoenix is very good. and Yes, I was going to say, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing isn't he yeah i mean he is genuinely genuinely super creepy on levels of creepiness that is just not which is deeply deeply psychotic and wrong but not incredibly outwardly so you know he's just his daddy issues his his whininess um and some of the things he does like sticking his tongue out in was it the battle of carthage mm-hmm. uh, and the way he reacts i think he's a bloody genius in this film I'm sorry, I'm going to go big on Joaquin. Well, yeah, I mean, it's very fun. And I I remember, like, he was like a defining villain, I guess, in my, like, film watching of my youth. Genuinely, like, terrifying. Seemed genuinely evil um, and kind of un, unhinged. You couldn't necessarily predict what he was, how he was going to react. Um, intimidating. I thought it was, but it's fun. Like, I want to watch Commodus on screen. And when he's not yeah. there, the movie isn't quite as good. Yeah, I think that's right. I think also, mm-hmm. I'd like to compliment some other characters. I'm okay. going to be mindlessly positive. I'm really sorry. I think um, Connie, is it Connie Nelson, is this? And it's Lucilla. She's really good. She walks a line, I think, very well between working with the incestuous thing um, and her sort of personal ambitions and having a character and protecting her son and her vulnerability. I think she does a pretty good job mm-hmm. of that. It's quite difficult. It's the most complicated role in the entire movie by far. Um, Russ plays it absolutely straight down the line and it's a, just a brilliant heroic lead. Seems to me this is what he does so well. Heroic lead with a bit of subtlety. Not just beefcake, but he is most certainly beefcake. And then we got the, the fun... English actors, Richard Harris hamming it up as the philosopher emperor. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves Marcus Aurelius and everybody loves Richard Harris doing Marcus Aurelius. Aurelius. And how can you not love Oliver Reed? I mean, he is Robert Marley, Robert Morley in, you know, Gladiator. I love Oliver Reed. He is such a lovey. He is the epitome of loveliness. He's, He's excellent. The ultimate thesp. And then, but then you've also got those other character actors. Um, in addition to Derek Jacobi, um, there's that other bloke, the one that I think is in an American Werewolf in London, David Schofield. Uh huh. In the background, being uh, oh, conniving. Really? Um, see if I remember. No, he's. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Oh, and he was also in Last of the Mohicans. Oh, my gosh. Wait, and he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my gosh! Good lord, um, this is a famous chap. Yeah, it's it's a great cast. I think my my negative is really the fact that Russ sounds Australian for the whole movie. No, I didn't. I didn't actually. Funny enough, I didn't really notice that, and didn't mind anyway. I mean, obviously, didn't mind because I hadn't even thought of that. Just, it's I mean, he's not. Picky. At least he's not picking on a cod accent, like I don't know in. 
you know, that terrible, terrible movie, Les Mis. Oh, that was awful. Or a film I, sh- I love in a way, but also don't love, uh, Robin Hood. Mm, yes. Uh, where he's putting on these stupid accents and it sucks. Um, at least he was just talking like Russ. Is that okay with it? One last bit of like positives. Um, I actually think despite its length, its, its length, it's fairly well paced. And I think a good example of this is it was reminding me of why I don't particularly like Kingdom of Heaven. Right. In comparison, you know, two Ridley Scott movies, yeah, one made a few years good, afterwards. Yeah. And I think it's because this one is simpler. It doesn't have the minefield of dealing with the kind of religious um, complexities. It's just, it's got its characters. It knows what they need to do. It sets them up. They have clear, Mm. defined parameters in which to work. And then we know exactly where we're going. And it has this classic story. And it just moves through it. um, And it has fun doing it. But then I, going on to the negatives, I think it also has a lot of the same. Hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're really done with positives. Oh, no, okay. Keep going. More positives. I I mean, come on. The gladiator fights are great. I'm appalled. Uh, so great things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening scene is just—I mean, one of the greatest scenes in world cinema, isn't it? Don't you think the the battlefield, not not the barley bit, the bit <laughs> just after the opening scene, um, the the scene in the forest. It's excellent. The the setup, the mud, the industrial style armor, which is obviously not particularly realistic but it absolutely gets the shtick right because it's industrial the here is the evil empire here is rome in all its technological efficiency destroying the freedom of um a free germanic people who are fighting for their lives in their homes um here is the you know the the fake technology of all the fire stuff mm-hmm. um i mean it's just a fantastic scene and when the german come the horse the horse comes in with the headless horseman. That is amazing. The guy shouting in German with the head, with his big axe. Ah, oh, that rocks. And, I mean, it's just a fantastic scene. And then, on my signal, unleash hell. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's great. I mean, come on. No, I, I mean, it is. Absolutely superb scene, and I love it. I remember the film so well, and for all of these, like, set pieces. Like, I remember the chariot battle in the arena oh yeah, it's a sort of ben-hur thing oh yeah i mean that is very good a very good scene and also the first one when he goes to africa uh that scene i absolutely love that scene the the dust the heat you can feel the dust and the heat you can feel the alienness the the disorientation the are you not entertained moment you know there's some great one-liners in this movie um and, and while we're on one-liners because i was on one-liners i'm sorry uh you know give me another give me the classic line and i expect you to render it faithfully wait is it the um maximus meridius decimus uh commander of the armies of the north whatever it is uh to the true uh emperor marcus aurelius husband to a murdered wife father to a murdered son let me let me stop you from butchering the quote right there if you do if you don't mind my name is maximus decimus meridius commander of the armies of the north general of the felix legions and loyal servant to the true emperor marcus aurelius father to a murdered son husband to a murdered wife 
and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Oh, go, my, go! Yes! Have your vengeance! I put it to you, Wolf, that there are more positives in this movie. Oh, no, there are. You, you are correct. I will say one thing, though. Your Commodus, and I know the fans have just enjoyed this great battle. This guy just tells you he's going to kill you. Um, <laughs> yes. Why do you let him live? Because you're an idiot. And also because otherwise it wouldn't be a very good movie. <laughs> Agreed. I think I just was like... You... <laughs> it would be weaker as a storyline. He's, uh, it's obviously, he's standing up for himself. Great. But it's a, it's a bit of a, he's playing a, a card here and he's like, this better work. He better not kill me immediately because I'm telling him I'm here to kill him. And I, it is. I'm actually. It's politically inept. I think is a phrase that you might use at that point. He really should have taken his hand, especially since Commodore said, "You know, uh, I'm only going to offer it once." Bad move. Yeah, Maximus. Also, they then come up with this elaborate plot to overthrow and kill Commodus, but only after he's been like, "Oh, I'm out to get you," and it's to me, it's so obvious that they're conspiring against him. He doesn't have to have, like, little birds figuring anything out. He just has to be like, that guy threatened to kill me. Uh-oh. My sister loves him. Uh, wait, <laughs> I can see them chatting. Um, yes. I can see oh, them chatting hmm. right now. Um, what shall I do? Uh-oh. Everyone says that he's the saviour of Rome. i got to get rid of this guy. Like, it, it's so obvious. Yes. It is so when their so plot obvious, falls yes. apart, it's not a surprise? No, it is not a surprise. And indeed, as a political player... Uh, Maximus sucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you said it. Um, Not one of his talents. There, there are, I mean, all the battles, every fight sequence is great. The one with the tigers. Um, well, hang, hang on a second. Mm. I've got a problem with the tigers. Okay. I've got a real problem with the tigers. The tigers are just daft. I mean, there are, suddenly all these bloody holes start appearing in the bottom of the Colosseum. <laughs> yeah. And tigers keep coming up. Why tigers? Just get an extra couple of bowmen. Yeah, but I, I assume that the movie is trying to um, trying to deal with the fact that they used to have lots of animals in the arena and that people used to fight the animals. Right. So they're trying to, like, reference more of the kind of... the varied nature. Yeah, maybe you're right. It's also because... But, w- but one of the kill- the killer kitty... They kill a little kitty. I mean... A little, cute, fluffy tiger dies in this movie. Yeah, but it also is... They do it in a way that's quite funny, where they clearly have, like, a giant, like, plush toy, and they push us a dagger into it, <laughs> and then they go... Wah! And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but how would you feel if that was Otis? Hmm? If they'd actually released some vicious rabbits into the Colosseum? Hmm? Hmm. God. You wouldn't feel that good about it, would you? Can you imagine if it's Maximus fighting that gladiator and then they release, you know, the the one rabbit from the Holy Grail? <laughs> release the wabbits. Wadwick, release the wabbits. I still think I still think it's a, like even if it's silly, I know what they're trying to do. I suppose it is, yeah. They're, it is colourful, like yeah, Because I what they've done so, is they yeah. said this is guy has never been defeated in in armed combat. He's the only undefeated gladiator that they, that we know of, apparently. So you have to fight him. But you're not just going to... Apart, yeah, the cool, but yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, you're not going to yeah, fight yeah. him one-on-one. You also have to avoid a bunch of tigers. Um, it's kind of like 
cla- any classic like okay fight this guy but also it's over a pit of boiling molten lava <laughs> <laughs> yes fair. okay fair okay fair. i concede on the tiger front. um i like the costumes that like that early sequence where they have to fight like eight different gladiators every single yes. one of them has really different helmets weapons mm-hmm. there's one sequence where i'm like i feel like you've used every weapon invented by mankind in this one battle they're like quick let's use a, a trident let's use a spear let's use a tiny dagger let's use a massive axe let's use a club let's use and you just keep reeling them off and they're killing people in every which way they possibly can some have shields although although it's slightly slightly lower budget than robin hood prince of thieves since they don't carve out somebody's heart with a spoon mm. which is a bit of a flaw to be honest Gosh, can you imagine if the Sheriff of Nottingham was, like, the right-hand man of Commodus? Yes, that would be a fantastic villain com- villain combination. We ought to have some villain com- combination mm. competitions. Yeah, I mean, there were so many... Well, actually, I'm going to say, do you want to name any more good things? Because I've got a bunch of bad things. Actually, I've now got a bunch of bad things. Uh, but, um, yes, I mean, I love the movie. It's full of great stuff. It's full of f- cheesy but great one-liners um and these are things which you know have stayed with me forever as you know iconic scenes in a movie more so even than my favorite master and commander actually yeah you know in terms of big set piece colorful shiny god that was amazing you know this is this is the dogs yeah i mean i haven't i haven't watched it for six or seven years and i still remember to this day are you the one they call the spaniard I'm like, yes, yes. I remember that. <laughs> I am that person, yes. Yes, indeed, absolutely. Um, yeah, a, f- a few of the negatives. Um, Go on, then. I've already mentioned, I don't really think the Senate gets a good representation at all. Gracchus, like, what does he What does he really do? Like, you've got Derek Jacobi here, and he doesn't actually yes. make much impact. No, he doesn't, And no. also, and it goes in, we'll talk about it in the history bit, I think the film is way more modernised than I remember, um, and it's quite frustratingly right. modernized to like appeal to a current audience, which I think is slightly uh, talking down to us um, in terms of, we'll go into it later, but it kind of t- seems to suggest everything bad about Rome and the Roman Empire is all connected as one individual. And that like, if you just remove that one person, everything else is great. Mm. I think the plot is really reaching. Like, I know it's like a fun epic, so I'm not, I'm not going to critique it too much, but they always keep talking about how this slave has defied an emperor. I'm like, he's not actually a slave. Um, the reason he's able to have all this influence and you talk about this in the movie is because he is an ex general who was beloved by all. He has become enslaved. However, he has become enslaved, but he is like, they like pledge fealty and to him because of his past role and because of his accolades. And yes, he earns new respect from being in the ring, but there's a lot of people being like, Oh, I'm good. Like Lucilla wouldn't support just a random slave. Like none of these people would do anything in the movie if he wasn't an ex general. And because he has the military control, which is separate from the Senate and the people. Um, and it's also, the military didn't always support the emperor. And, and I'm really generalizing, I'm getting it wrong here, but he has his own Praetorian units. Um, but the military, you did have to appease the military and they they had their kind of own 
Yes, he has a power base. You're actually right. You know, he speaks to the emperor's sister. And I just think that, like, the entirety of the army and the military will support Maximus and not necessarily support Commodus. um, Yes, but it happens frequently in Roman history, of course. So there's a lot of it's, like, quite far-reaching, and I think sometimes they seem to forget that he's unique for this one reason. Uh, And they like to pretend that he is just like an everyman. Um, I think the ending is terrible. The and when I say ending, I mean like the fight is great. Commodus versus Maximus. Excellent right. battle. Then when they both die and then they come in yeah. and it's like, I guess it's like, it's like a, it's like an epilogue. They all come in and then they're like, this is the man that saved Rome. And they all now give these passionate speeches. And Gracchus is like, who will help me carry him? And then they all like right. take it in turns to like pick him up and the rose petals are falling. And it just, it feels very cheesy. And hmm. they're now like, what shall we do? We must remember his legacy. Rebuild Rome anew. Like, right. it's... It must have made, it doesn't stick in the mind. And the bit where he's moving over the ground is a bit odd. Um... So yeah, yeah. Okay, but the bit where he's moving over the ground references the bit when it happens earlier. Yes, he's in the, in the carriage, and he's poisoned both times. Anyway, I hand it over to you. What are your problems? What are the things that ground your? I thought gears? this. I thought that the thing that um, I thought had aged least well was the quality of the CGI. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're used to better stuff now, and that's nothing. Not Skidley Rot's fault because you know it was the time. But the thing of the Rome stuff. Actually, now I think, oh, that's not great. And there were some points, very obviously, it seemed to me, where Commodus was standing in front of a piece of green cloth Mm -hmm. uh, with an image projected onto it. You know, it looked fake. Mm -hmm. So I thought those hadn't aged well, but of course you can't really blame him. It's the time and all the rest of it. Uh, But to me, it looked a bit like the Loughborough Taurus board promotional video. Mm -hmm. Um, then there were some outrageous things. The barley, I think it's time to mention the barley. I mean, you know what's wrong with the barley, don't you? Um, is it going to be that it wouldn't grow like that or it doesn't grow there? The yield is what we're talking about. Barley yields mm-hmm. in Roman times and even you know late medieval times, you know, you're talking two to one, three to one, four to one if you're in a good year. You're not talking 58 to 1. Ears did not look like that. Mm. And it's an outrage. I, 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 I mean, how do you get that so wrong? Well, I mean, answer me that. How do you get that so wrong? It's like the lie in Amadeus. Ah, oh, oh, it is. It's oh, just awful. Then, so the time he draws on the map in pencil in Das Boot? <laughs> yes! Oh, don't remind me of that. So I'm feeling faint and I'm going to have to go and lie down. Yes, he put draw on the chart. Um, and then, of course, there is a a cavalry manoeuvre in a dark Germanic wood. Yes. Seriously, would you do that? And also, would you take your doggy to the party? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool when the dog also, jumps through the fire, but... Well, yeah, that is quite a cool bit. You know, it is worth it for that. But he also, and it's incendiary, isn't it? I mean, he takes an Alsatian. How incendiary is that? You know, that's presaging Bismarck and his stealing of Alsace-Lorraine. What an outrage to take an Alsatian. If he'd taken a Westie or something like that, that would have been much more reasonable. But he takes an Alsatian. Mm. 
a bit in your face is all I'm saying. Though, so I, by the start of the movie, I've already got three things which have filled me with rage. From a historical perspective, especially because I did a lot of my research before I watched the film, it was a little bit more rage-inducing like from start to finish. It wasn't, really. But, I must admit, I didn't do much research on that. But it's, well, rage-inducing is a lie. It's more just like, oh, I know what you're doing. Fine. This is the direction you're going with this film. Like, I'm not too surprised because I can remember the film quite well. It, it just, there's a lot of inaccuracy in this film. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So we're going to move on to the history now. Are we done with, well, have we done with the quality of the movie? I wanted to ask you a question. What are your feelings on revenge movies in general? And do you enjoy them? Okay. I've never watched... It's the ultimate revenge movie, that thing with Charles Bronson. Oh, Death Wish. Death Wish. Is that a revenge movie? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Does he slaughter hundreds of people? It sounds thoroughly hideous to me. I never want to watch it. So revenge movies like that, um, I think it depends, Wolf. There has to be essentially some proportionality, if I may use the word proportionality in a popular um, history film podcast, a sense of justice. So if the crime was, for example, just uh, off the top of my head, pecking the top off a shiny milk top cap and drinking the cream, mm -hmm. then setting down bird poison across substantial arable land in South Oxfordshire would not be reasonable and I would not be fa in favour of it as a revenge movie. Okay. Just a plot idea. Whereas, if someone stole the last sausage, my last sausage, from the fridge, nothing would be too good for them. On my signal, unleash hell. Essentially, you know, it has to be, there has to be a sense of fairness there. Mm. Okay. So, does that mean you like revenge yeah. movies? <laughs> <laughs> if they're proportionate, I like this revenge movie and never steal my last sausage. Okay. I'm going to answer my own question. I do not like revenge movies, particularly. Right, okay. I think uh -huh. there can be exceptions. And I think to an extent, this is an exception because I think that it's quite fun and a little bit silly and it's kind of wrapped up in this like larger story. But like I don't know, The Northman came out recently. That's not a good movie. Oh, you didn't like that, did you? Henry and I went and saw that. It's a lot of blood. <gasps> My problem with revenge movies in general is not necessarily that they aren't proportional, um, the crime doesn't earn the punishment, but it's usually that they all have the same structure, they all have the same format, the characters are all the same. The central character is usually 100% set on their mission which is their revenge not much can sway them from it they will always complete their revenge they won't really actually stop or fail they won't learn anything along the way at mm. least nothing that can prevent them from changing course so you're kind of watching this arrow just go in one direction and right 
deviations are all leading to that same final point. They don't learn to not steal sausages, is what you're saying. Yeah. In this film, Maximus is going to kill Commodus. There is no doubt about that. He Yes, they're a bit formulaic, aren't they? There's nothing that would enable him to live a life in any other way than one that resulted in probably his own death and the killing of Commodus. It's like a just a permanent yes. death drive. I've got to go and do this. Um, and mm. that this is what we're just waiting for. And that's all we need. Like The catharsis, I guess, is when you kill the person who was bad. But yes. that to me is not tremendously interesting. And it usually yeah, results in, in characters kind of doing stupid things. And I also, they focus on guilt and like, they always do the same story, which is like an eye for an eye. And the whole world goes blind. But no one ever... Hey, that's a great line. Was that your line? Did you make that up? Um, yep, I think I did. Whoa! It just came to me. That is, that is Marcus Aurelius, that is. Say it again. Say David, it again. we should write this down for posterity. Yes, 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 yes. Say it again. I've forgotten uh, it already. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Oh, wolf. Ah. Oh, I'm going to... George Santanier. Yeah. John Locke. This podcast Very is good. going to explode. Okay. Um, oh, explode. I watched uh, Park Chan-wook's Vengeance trilogy recently, um, and it actually has some interesting ideas on revenge and the idea of like justifiable revenge and what is and isn't. And you often have to become this like voyeur who's involved in the vengeance and the violence itself. And it makes, it challenges you as an audience member to be like, should, should I be partaking in this? Especially when they push you to extreme. So I think there can be interesting mm. stuff that happens, but despite saying that a lot of it is like terrible things after terrible things. And the result mm. is that you learn that maybe violence isn't the best course mm. of action or you have to agree that yes brutal murder is the only like is the only answer and, and just yeah it's to me yeah i get take your point teach I me a lot about point. humans yeah. and life yeah no it's very good okay jumping off of this did you feel entertained did you enjoy the gladiator fights i did enjoy the gladiator fights and i have to tell you mm-hmm apropos your vengeance thing which i thought was very intelligent very good but nonetheless i felt absolutely no sympathy whatsoever for the losers yeah i mean agreed this movie doesn't want you to sorry about this that. movie doesn't actually want no. you to feel any sympathy <laughs> they don't give you much backstory do they no you know to, to the gall and his home life and his love of model making no this and this is a movie that that says that everything maximus does is correct he never does anything that's not honorable and justified and actually, no, he true. saves Rome and the world. Yes, which is handy, of course. It's definitely pro-Maximus, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. That came across, I think. It's not complex. It's We know what it is. And I don't think that we, yeah. we're deluded as an audience to take too much from it. It's just entertainment. But what I think is interesting is, to me, this is the first movie, that I would assume, or at least in the time that I was born, that can capture the feel of the games in the Colosseum um, as they might have felt. Yeah. And I remember them being very bloody and very graphic and chaotic and quite um, a visceral um, moment. Uh, They're also the highlights, generally the highlights of the movie that I like remember uh, and look forward to when I come back to watch it. So what I wanted to know is, do you think that this movie is at all, and Ridley Scott is challenging us as an audience to think about our relationship to violence and entertainment at all? No. 
Okay. Not really. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't know. I'm probably selling Skidley Rock short, but mm, no. I think he's trying to entertain us. Okay. How does it present the Romans? I'm going to kind of commit it from a different angle. As a corrupt, as a corrupt society, it's got to be said, I think it's more on the lines of I, Claudius, than the fall of the Roman Empire or, you know, Ben-Hur. Although there is a trope in, in Roman movies. I mean, we love Rome, and I'm going to ask you a few questions about your attitude mm. towards ancient Rome. You know, we, we, we love it. We're obsessed with it. But there is a very strong trope about corruption. Mm-hmm. And venality and, you know, excess. And that comes across, I think, in this movie. Do you th- are they the rotten Romans? Are they, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think that's part of why the, why I like the opening, that ancient Rome bought so many extraordinary ideas and concepts. Am I beginning to go off on one? Uh, which, you know, is part of the reason we love it. But it was also an incredibly complex society, and the sizzle sometimes is not matched by the reality of the real social setup and the poverty and the inequality and all the rest of it. But of course, they left, left these amazing things. Uh, and when you look at Anglo-Saxon England and there's a series of poems called The Ruins, it really is Planet of the Ape stuff. So it's, you know, this amazing civilization we can't even get close to. And here it is. I don't know, I'm blathering, but... Well, you know, there is a strong, there are different, many different strands about ancient Rome and how we remember them and their impact. How do you think the film views the the games and the entertainment? I think it's like the traditional Nero thing that, you know, this is, this is hideous entertainment in order to keep the masses appeased. Mm -hmm. Because I would argue that, yes, it does perceive of it as like horrific, gross, like violent entertainment and it's all tied up in the film really likes to talk about how Marcus Aurelius hated the games and they banned them, which is not true. Um, and that Commodus is this like bloodthirsty individual who revels in the games, which yes is true, but he's not alone in that. Um, and that then the, the people are like poor and stupid and they, they'll watch all of this, you know, horrible entertainment. But I think there is a point in the movie, whether it was intended or not, which reflects on us as a modern audience that says you aren't actually that much different because you're coming to this movie to watch all the same things that they went to the games to watch and you're loving it mm. as well. And I think there's a reason that the the battles are particularly graphic. That mm. fighter that falls down and then gets cut in half, like um, on the the spikes coming out of the chariot, like it really revels in like the battle sequences, the combat, the blood, the violence, the excess, and I mean we get. I mean you've got the opening battle at the beginning, fine, but then you get one, two, th- like five battles within arenas, mm. including the Colosseum. Um, that's quite. I mean the movie's long, but that's still quite a lot, and it really wants you to yeah. enjoy. You can hear the oohs and the ahs and the, the screams and. I think we're meant to be doing the same thing. And I know that I must be doing it because I enjoy those moments and remember mm. them. And part of the film is watching these, watching games brought to life. Um, so while I'm not saying the film is advanced enough to really critique or discuss it, I think there can be something that gets raised, which is what do we as an audience kind of take from this and how different are we from these Romans, which maybe we 
malign yeah. too too casually. I think it's a very interesting, a very good point. I think you're probably absolutely right, and I'm sorry I wasn't subtle enough to think about it. But yeah, I think very good point. Okay, now onto stupid questions. Which of the games oh, yes. would which of the games would you have the best chance of surviving? Uh, so, um, thank you for that question. And I, of course, reverted to the you know one of the greatest, um, most realistic ancient world movies of all time, The Life of Brian, namely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have had to have taken the approach of the skinny bloke who just legs it yeah. until the guy keels over with a heart attack. There is no other way I could survive any of the games unless it happened to be um, on the worst possible crochet creation. Yeah, I think... Uh, I guess I went with a more serious answer, but it was... I went for one of the ship battles because I was like, maybe if I have a team right. of, of really talented people on my ship my ship might survive. Right. But I, I'm, I, I owe you an apology. Why? I, I didn't take your question seriously, did I? <laughs> no, I think you did. I think, in fairness... I'm terribly, terribly sorry, Wolf. <laughs> no. I'm terribly sorry. Running away Archery. is a... <laughs> a legitimate response to a threat. Okay, yeah. I think running away and just trying to keep running is, is fair enough. Yes, I'm you, going to train It's really like escape. Okay, I'm going to give you another question. If the Colosseum was opened tomorrow for more games, assuming it's not a ruin of any type, what game would you choose to launch the reopening of the Colosseum with? Oh, no, this was, an, this was a really easy one. Given where we are at the moment and the, the most magnificent and enjoyable theatre in the world is going on right now, is it not? Do you uh, know to which I refer? Uh, no. The Tory leadership election. I am loving every minute of it. Every minute of it. This is the glory of the British political system. Forget all the naysayers and isn't this awful and blah, 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 blah. Forget all that stuff. This is great. I'm loving it. And I would. Re- I know what I would do is I'd make them play out all their arguments in the Coliseum. And I think they would probably need to come to some sort of you know, to represent physically mm. all the backstabbing that's going on as they do it. Interesting. It'd be perfect. My answer was a giant twister tournament. That's a good idea. That would be with tigers or without tigers? Uh, no, no tigers. Um, no tigers, okay. This is the modern world. Um, right. But like giant stereo systems, state-of-the-art surround sound. Right, yeah. Blasting. Yeah, 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 and then when the music yeah, yeah. stops... Actually, no, that's the wrong game. <laughs> anyway, we can add... <laughs> Musical chairs as well. Um, yes. I also thought that, because we're not going to have any actual violence, um, although I think live-action role-playing would, would be fun. Um, <gasps> that would be, be perfect. Live-action role-playing would be fantastic. And you could get them going through all the sort of... You could take the floor away and you get them going through all the little you know, catacombs yeah. beneath it. So that would be, be perfect dungeon. But yeah. I was going to suggest... Um, a very large game of Wink Murder. <laughs> I think I don't think that's a spectator sport. <laughs> Honestly, well, yeah, but you're like it's difficult to see the winks. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough when you're in there seeing the winks. Are you winking at me, or have you got an eye problem? It's a terrible game, Wink. Yeah, Murder. but can you imagine being in? Okay, you, you've got to be a contestant. You're in the Colosseum, this like this place where all of these people lost their lives, and then you have to pretend to die in a game of wink murder okay it's actually not a good idea let's move on 
Murder in the Dark. That'd be better. Ooh, Sleeping Lions. Ooh. Sleeping Lions. <laughs> it's a rich vein. Uh, I believe you had a question for me, David. I did. Um, well, a couple of things actually. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, strength and honour. It comes up quite a lot. Quite mm -hmm. like that as a line. But I'm not, I'm conflicted with Star Trek. So what would you choose, Wolf? Strength and honour, or live long and prosper? Uh, live long. Couldn't live long. couldn't care I, less about strength. Okay, I think you're probably right. Actually, I think I'm probably going to go for the same thing. Although, the honour is the like. I think you have to maintain integrity, um, mm -hmm. and so I think it really comes down to the the specific. Well, in order to situation. maintain integrity, you often need strength, do you not? Mm, yes, you, Wolf. You know, it is a tough one. It is stuffy. Uh, but I think level on process sounds great. So then I had a question. When this relates to what I think this film is about, mm. essentially, okay? Because I don't think it's about revenge. I don't think it's about murder. I don't think it's about entertainment. I think it is about the search for Cincinnatus. So my question is, mm -hmm. what is your favorite period in Roman history? And I'm going to give you a really pretentious lead into this question about my personal life, which is going to make me look like a pretentious pompous ass, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I was a sales manager for you know 20 years, and that was a role of a sales manager, was at sales conferences to be a pompous ass. So... When I was a lad, my father's house had many rooms, Wolf. One of them was a little room with a telly away from the folks where Johnny and I could watch the wrestling. Do you remember, you know, you put, where no giant haystacks, gym breaks, Big Daddy, all that? No. Is that does that mean, that mean anything to you? No. Wrestling. Okay. It was on the telly at one o'clock. Anyway, and we used to practice some moves, you know, like, you know, full Nelsons. Anyway, in that room, there was also a couple of bookshelves of my dad's books, and I used to idly pick them up, you know, when I was uh, when I was small. There was a lot of something called Raphael Sabatini, who wrote rather uh, over romantic historical novels. Captain Blood, but he's great. Captain Blood, yes, and he's great. You know, there's lots of um, Belle Dame, Son Mercy, and them, and all the rest of it, old stuff. Anyway, that's all books. Anyway, one of the favourite books I re I remember that the series was something the. My favourite historian of all time, I think, bar none, uh, who is Livy. They're not, um, you know, von Ranke, the famous German historian, would not have approved of Livy, I have no doubt. But they had the early Republic of Livy and he had the Iliad. And these are books I ate. I was always biting the dust. Night was closing on my eyes. I wept with Adromache and Priam as Achilles dragged Hector's corpse around many-towered Ilium. I love these books. And Livy is a fantastic page-turning writer. You need to... Have you read Livy? I mean, it sounds no. pretentious. I've only read... But it really Homer, isn't. I guess. Right. Homie. Well, Homie's jolly good, obviously. Um, but Livy's even better. He's... I mean, it's like the most amazing story on earth and it's like just like reading a book it's like reading a, a um it's not like reading history it's about reading a story and i love all that stuff from the regal period in the early republic um horace and the geese hannibal and the fabians but most of all cincinnatus do you know the story of cincinnatus i do not Cincinnatus is the guy who becomes dictator of rome three times but each time returns to his plow he's a you know, he's a patrician fallen on hard times, a little little farm, and he comes and saves Rome, and then he goes back 
to plow. He doesn't. He's a man who is worthy of power, but who doesn't seek it. And we're, this is what Maximus is all about. I put it to you, Wolf. It is about the search for Cincinnatus. We all want Cincinnatus. We hate the fact that politicians, and it's very two-faced of us, actually want to be in power and change things. Somehow we find that difficult to accept. Whereas what else are you going to get? We all want Cincinnatus. Marcus is Cincinnatus. And that's what the story is about. So, long pretentious thing, my favourite period, early Republic. What's your favourite period in Rome and your favourite emperor? Oof. Well, my Roman knowledge is slight. Is it? Um, it is, is it now? It is slight. It's mm. um, interesting. But I, it's building up. Uh, I think it's more, but I, it's just from stuff from school, like... Oh, I remember they did the tortoise. Oh, I remember they used to have a vomitorium. Um, <laughs> right, yes, horrible history type stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, rem- yes, I know Brutus killed Caesar and this and that. I think I, and this is just from Shakespeare, but I do quite enjoy Mark Antony and Octavius and mm. Cleopatra. I think that is yeah. quite fun. And also the intersection with Egypt, because I quite like Egypt as well. I'm like, that's interesting. That is, a, I mean, it is a stunning period, isn't it? Um, uh, Octavian, Augustus, Antony, Cleopatra, Pompey, Mark Antony. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. And the, the triumvirate Great. falling apart. Yeah. Um, disintegrating. Great stuff. I also, um, Hannibal is very interesting. I I think. Yeah, we love Hannibal and Fabi- the Fabians and all the rest of it. Fantastic story. Um and I guess I it, think about Roman history. There's so many amazing stories, and you get them all from Livy. Yeah, and also it's because the, they're traveling all over the world. You can kind of find other places you're interested in, and other cultures and societies. How do they interact? What were the conflicts uh, conflicts with with Carthage and or the Germans? And mm. what was it like coming up against all these other um, like the God? When I found out that they. Uh, they attacked, was it Sicily? And Aristotle was on the island. And Aristotle yes. built all those siege weapons. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, was it Aristotle? Was it Pythagoras, wasn't it? Oh. Pythagoras, you're thinking, yeah. Aristotle, Aristotle was a bugger for the bottle, wasn't he? Um. He's earlier. Isn't he? Syracuse, Pythagoras. Maybe I'm wrong. Definitely Pythagoras. Well, to, okay, I'll just, I'm going to agree with you because you know more than me. But mm, I don't know, I may not. Anyway. Anyway. I'll Google it as we speak. It's, they just covered such a huge period of history that yeah was it like 800 years 900 years i mean everything happened um yeah. so it's all great but yeah i don't know enough to pick and certainly when it comes to emperors i have no idea okay to be honest well you've you picked some you know that the the triumvirate and all the rest of it yeah it's fantastic there are some fantastic books actually written about rome i mean we're obsessed with the society with rome i'll stop warbling on but if you ever come across, I think, it, is it Colleen McCulloch? Anyway, she did a series of books about the late Republic, uh, the Gracchi and the Sulla and the rise of Caesar. They are the best. I mean, they're incredibly dense. They're enormous. But they are the best. And if you want something a little more trivial, uh, Didus Falco or something, Marcus Didio Falco, I can't remember the name, actually, the little sort of murder detective type books set in mm. Rome they are also superb so I've given you a reading list you've got to do Livy uh, the early republic you've got to mm-hmm. do Colin McCulloch the grass grass crown series and you've got first man of Rome series I think and you've got a, you can do uh, Lindsay Davis mm. the Falco mistress there you go okay that's your job for the 
job for the weekend? Um, I think we need to move on to historical accuracy. Oh my god! But I think we. I thought we'd assumed we'd done the history stuff. My god, we've been on going on for hours. Well, yeah, but I want to just like tie it up in Quick. a little bow. Right, go for it. And actually, we have been going on for a long time, so I'm not going to do too much. I think it's just fair to say this movie is incredibly inaccurate. Um, I think there's a counterpoint, but yeah, there's. It wasn't the battle at the beginning was not the last battle of that war. Um, Commodus didn't kill Marcus. Marcus died probably of the Antonine Plague, and then Commodus didn't want to keep fighting the war, so the war ended. Obviously, Maximus did not exist, as I'm rushing through. Um, so the whole plot is kind of fabricated. Um, what I think is important, though, is Marcus was always going to nominate Commodus to be emperor. And even if he had any doubts about his son, who was one of the rare um, emperors kind of birthed into the purple, he could have picked other people to take on the the position, like his predecessors did. But he chose not to. And I even believe that he actively maneuvered his daughter's marriages so that they were against fairly inferior um, partners, so that they couldn't create power struggles, which would prevent Commodus from being the number one um, heir to the throne, yeah. um, to the purple. So the movie loves... There's no evidence also that he wanted to restore the Republic. Is that, that, is that correct? I think the movie wants us to think that Marcus was great, Rome was doing really well, and then Commodus like destroys it. And he, he does, mm. but not against Marcus's like wishes. It just to me, it doesn't want to imagine Marcus as having any flaws or being more complex. He just He was looking out for himself. He did want to be remembered to an extent. And... Um, the result of all of this is that his son takes over and then his son just happens to be uh, maniacal and kind of start destroying things. But he would have wished that to happen, not the way that it did. But anyway, that's my point. Commodus is probably more insane than the movie even right. suggesting. Um, looking up anything that he did, I mean, it's way more depraved than the movie would ever suggest. Also, well, yeah, I mean, what? He tried to rename the calendar after all of his own 12 names, which he gave himself. And he was going to rename nice. Rome, Commodia, or whatever it was. That wouldn't be good, would it? <laughs> Commodia. What a terrible name that would be. I know. Yeah, would it, it would become a Gazander. Yeah, and then there was the month of Commodus, because one of the 12 months was just his name Commodus. He was the title attraction in gladiatorial fights in the... the the Flavian amphitheater um, repeatedly because he was addicted to being a gladiator and fighting. Um, and he trained all the time and he, you know, he was obsessed with the games, but in this, it seems like unusual that he's entering the ring uh, in this mm. kind of one fight at the end. He used to do it all the time. It was always rigged. Right. I mean, he was murdering amputees and right. animals and he was murdering like drugged opponents and people who were wounded um, and people who had like, um, fake swords or like dull swords and then he'd have a sharp weapon um, so that he could kill them but I think to the point that he did it so often that people got bored because he was the yeah. he was the closing act he murdered pretty much everyone and killed and there were so many assassination attempts on him and he was constantly killing off the senate and everything was corrupt and yep straight afterwards then Rome plummeted into the year of the five emperors so the mm. film suggests at the end that everything's like sorted and returns to normal. But they all just keep fighting with each other and it doesn't repair itself. Obviously, he didn't die in the ring. 
he was killed by his wrestling partner um, in one of those, uh, you know, planned coups after a poisoning failed. Um, Lucilla did try to assassinate him, uh, but she was obviously caught. And then he sent her to Capri for a year and then he had her murdered. So she doesn't survive. Um, and there's this thing where Gracchus keeps talking about how the senators are like elected by the people to speak for the yes. people. Um, the Senate couldn't... I don't really think the Senate gave a crap about the people. No. They were very patrician. They they were the aristocracy, right? The, yeah. The landed Correct. gentry. And there's this... The movie seems to suggest that the Senate is like sacred and just and that... I know they're a bit corrupt, but the, there are people in there trying to do good and they're looking out for the people and Commodus is trying to destroy everything. Commodus was quite popular. He gave them entertainment, which is what they wanted. And he, you know, he was liked by the masses for quite some time. Uh, and I just think the the big thing about the movie is that um, it kind of tries to tie Roman history up into like these neat little bows. Mm. Marcus is a great emperor. He is a nice man. He wanted to do good things, um, but was prevented from doing so. Like the Senate would have done good things, but Commodus like destroyed the Senate, so they couldn't. I mean, the Senate, of course, is you know obviously it's a different society, and I suppose that one of the reasons we love Rome is oh, is more maybe the late Republic or the the early Republic, where you know the tribunes and all the rest of it. So it's a complicated institution, and you don't get any of that complication. The complication reduces after Augustus and institutes an empire, um, but. It's probably quite a complicated thing and does not get, as you said earlier, in any way properly represented in this movie. Anyway, um, how would you score it as entertainment? Uh, As as entertainment, as a film, I would say it's got to be a nine. Mm, I was thinking an eight. You're probably right. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, I still still love it and think of it as an iconic movie that, you know, it's just right up there. It's moved into a different category for me. And how would you... Did you have a rating for history? Um, I went... I mean, I I felt the atmosphere was very powerful. Um, I agree with you, all your points about accuracy, um, although the specifics. Also, I must admit, there are little things like statues. Statues were painted. Mm. And in the film, we get all these ancient statues that could be... I don't know, from a museum now that have been washed. Anyway, um, so there were little things. And, of course, there's the barley, which is an outrage. Yes. I think I'm going to go for six. Interesting. I See, I was going to go lower, like a mm-hmm. three or a four. Blimey, really bad. But I mean, the environment generally and the the character, you know, the main, the character, well, I suppose the character's not that particularly realistic. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'll go for a four. But I, okay. I do think that, my, I'm, I'm not overly critical. Like I know there's all of these faults, but it doesn't make it a bad movie for me. Um, mm. I just think that uh, it's simplifying a lot of things, and it's for entertainment. So, fine. Okay, thanks. Would you recommend watching it again? Yes. Good. Okay. Good. It was great. It was a hoop. No, I mean, it absolutely is great. It's great entertainment. Great set pieces. Uh, you know, you're going to get something out of it. I hated to loathe it. Um, good. I mean, I'm pleased we did it. Yeah, so am I. It was fun. Well, I think that brings us to the end. So I would suggest, since I know you've all seen this film, um, that you head over to the Facebook group and let us know your thoughts. Do you still enjoy it? Have you changed your opinion on it? 
Do you have any big problems with any of the inaccuracies or anything that we've said today? Um, and uh, yeah, let us know what you think and uh, we'll get back to you on that. Yeah, it'd be really good to have a chat with you on, on Facebook, especially about barley and uh, traditional yield rates. But it's been a joy, Wolf. Thank you for picking Gladiator. No, thank you, David. And uh, I will see you soon. Great. Goodbye, Hello. everyone. Are you not entertained? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always dive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.